It is indeed, and uh, yeah, we've got few come It is indeed our shop stewards uh, segment, and tonight uh, we head out as we often do every Monday at the start of a new week into the lives of working people. Now uh, tonight uh, we take a look at a pop crew who are out on strike uh, tomorrow. They are marching to the union buildings to submit a le- list of demands. Uh, in response to government's final 3% pay rise offer tabled at the Public Service Coordinating Bargaining Council on August 30. And, uh, yeah, they are blankly rejecting this. Joining me on the line to uh, tell us a bit more about this, I'm joined by uh, Richard Mamabolo, who speaks on behalf of the Police and Prison Civil Rights Union POP crew. Richard, good evening. Welcome. Good evening to you and the listeners. I hope you're well, bro. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm actually ready I'm in my techies. I'm just waiting for tomorrow. Oh. So that we march to the union. Ah, you are ready in your techies. What is the shy table about? Okay. So there's no, yeah, we're going to camp overnight anyway. So sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Talk to us about what happened at the PSCBC that has Look, given uh, rise to much, this, yeah. Yes, our match is not only about PSCBC matters. In fact, uh, our match is mainly based on the many challenges that our members have been raising since the beginning of the year about the conditions within which they work under. So sure. this uh, matter with regards to the current wage uh, offer just forms part of the challenges because I think uh, uh, government is offering 3% wage increases while we are demanding 10%, and we cannot send each other. Uh, we we think that uh, the, the offer that government is putting up for workers is unfair. It's actually unreasonable considering the fact that the inflation rate is currently staying at uh, 7.8%. But beyond that, uh, they are also offering a gratuity of 1,000 rand. Uh, that gratuity is non-pensionable. This means that uh, there won't be any form of contribution towards the pension fund of public servants. So they are basically casualizing the public service mm. of South Africa. And we are disagreeing with that because... Uh, uh, part of the clauses that are contained within the very same agreement suggests that uh, as much as they are putting forth a 3% increase, uh, however, it's also dependent on whether government has got funds or not. So this then means that uh, according to the clause, they can remedge again on the very same commitment they've made. And this is exactly what they've done uh, Well, uh, in the last agreement, because remember agreement 1 of 2018, wherein we send an agreement and they could not implement it to the letter. When we wanted to engage with them, they ran to the court and the court uh, stood in their favor. So it's quite shocking that uh, public office bearers, like the very same judges who took that decision about workers not receiving increases for the past two years, they have just recently received a 3% salary hike uh, recently by the president. And uh, this was not even negotiated. So we feel that government is not receiving workers really. But beyond that, uh, of course, we are rejecting the offer. And of course, we will not accept it. The final date for that offer is actually tomorrow as well, the 20th. We're in uh, beyond this point. Uh, those who will sign for the agreement will sign, and those who will not sign will not sign. We're hopeful that uh, other unions within the public sector will not support the. Uh, this represent, mm. and uh, and then we'll look into what other measures we take beyond this, uh, beyond this, uh, uh, beyond this uh, final date. Mm. But our but our match is also based on the fact that uh, there has been a lot of underlying challenges. For example, 
issues around overcrowding and restaffing within sure. our correctional centers, which have not been addressed up to so far because uh, we moved away from prisons to a correctional center. Now, rehabilitation is a priority here. Under conditions where there are shortages of staff and uh, overcrowding, uh, the process of rehabilitation is totally impossible. One of the other issues that we are raising is the fact that uh, the number of police officers in the country has been on a significant decrease. You know, just five years ago, we had around 190,000 police officers who were, by the way, not even sufficient enough to cater for the needs of the millions of South Africans. Currently, they are standing at 155,000. And, of course, the, the population increases on a daily basis. There are currently... 50 million South Africans that are recorded. And we do not know about those who are here illegally, mm. those who are not uh, officially recorded. So the numbers could be quite a bit higher than that. Uh, and uh, and you consider the fact that there are attacks on police stations recently. Police have been killed on a regular basis. So you cannot expect uh, less than 155,000 police officers Richard? to look after that huge population. Yes? Let me just explain to us something here. Because, I mean, when we hear stories of police stations, you know, being ransacked for guns and so on by criminals, <coughs> it signals that there's something fundamentally wrong. And I, and I want you maybe to explain to us, some of us who might not be familiar, because I heard you on another platform once speaking about austerity and the implications that that has had on the police service and the resourcing of the service. Then I also want to hear you just on the morale of the service itself. Because it just seems, it just seems to, to many of us as members of the public that there's something fundamentally wrong. I mean, we're seeing the proliferation of private security. We're seeing other vigilante and other alternative parallel groups who are wielding significant force of arms. And somewhere in the middle, there is a police service that we're often told is stretched. You know, uh, the spokesperson of the minister at some stage told me, even when it comes to vehicles, you can have a vehicle that has something as lousy as a clutch plate problem, sitting for three months in a garage or whatever. What's happening? That, that, is, that is correct. Uh, it goes back to the very same issue of uh, the uneven allocation of resources. You know, you go to a police station in, in the affluent areas, you find that they've got all the security features, mm. they've got sufficient vehicles, but you go to a township or a rural area, the, the story is totally different. There are parked cars there which have been there for not even six months, for over a year, you know, over such small challenges. And, of course, uh, in such areas, you find that uh, the station's the infrastructural integrity is not up to standard. Uh, you find that uh, there's a limited capacity of uh, manpower, especially on night shifts, wherein you would find that... Uh, there are five officers looking after a community of over 30,000 people. Now, when people need assistance, they would call the station, and you find that uh, maybe two police officers had went out for patrol. Now, they can't service all these people. That is why it has also, these police stations have become vulnerable, because immediately when information leaks that there are firearms which are stored in those stations, criminals find it uh, opportune for them to go and actually uh, forcefully take those firearms to further the issue with criminal activities. So there are underlying challenges. And I think, uh, you know, one of the sad things is that just in his uh, maiden state of the nation address, the president made it clear that uh, we need to have violent crimes by half within the next decade. Mm. Immediately after that, you have the Minister of Finance who cut down the budget of the SATS. By this year alone, the budget has been cut by 15.8 billion rands. 
and in the next year it will be cut by 11.5 billion rands. So that means that uh, uh, the, the resources that are actually needed in addressing all these challenges are very limited. And of course, in most cases, communities just assume that police are lazy, police do not do their work without understanding the underlying challenges that police face. So, so these are some of the challenges that we will definitely be raising because uh, through our processes of bargaining processes, we have obviously been engaging with the uh, uh, the different departments around all these challenges, mm. and of course the working conditions of police officers. You consider the fact that uh, there are high levels of suicide rates amongst young police officers as well, speaks mm. to the fact that uh, they are earning low salaries, they are exposed to harsh conditions on a daily basis, and of course, uh, despite the fact that uh, their employee assistance programs, they do not get sufficient counseling, you know. So there are numerous uh, challenges that uh, these officers are facing on a daily basis. And of course, uh, uh, police officers cannot afford, well, they do not qualify to get RDP houses, yet at the same time they cannot afford to get uh, bonded houses, you know. So so you find police officers, that is why it's become easy that uh, police officers are killed on a regular basis, whether on duty or off duty. The fact of the matter is that uh, at the end of the day, they go to the very same communities where they're investigating mm. people. They have to use the same transport systems mm-hmm. with them and all these other challenges. So so it becomes difficult for them. And of course, the fact that most of them are young means that they are only starting out uh, with their families. And of course, you know, the stresses of having to raise kids with, uh, uh, well, uh, well uh, start establishing families as well while you're ending uh, small salaries as well it has been a challenge. Promotions have not been happening. You can be mm. at one level for over 10 years, you know, a constable for over 10 years without any promotion. So that as well has got uh, an impact on the morale of many of our police officers. And, uh, of course, uh, in most cases, you find some of them tending to uh, abuse substances. And, of course, uh, uh, in some instances as well, when they do commit suicide, they even themselves killing their loved ones. Mm. So those are some of the realities that uh, our members are faced with. It seems to me, so, though, Richard, that, um, you know, I, I, coming back to your earlier comment, that this is not just about the bargaining outcomes from the bargaining council, because some of the issues you're raising cannot be resolved solely in at the bargaining council with the employer on the other side, but maybe require thoroughgoing review and reform of how the post-apartheid system of policing and community safety has unfolded? Most definitely, most definitely it goes beyond just uh, the bargaining aspect of it, of course. Mm. Uh, it, goes, uh, it, goes, it goes into issues around how policing, well, the composition of policing, you know, and it obviously has a lot to do with the socioeconomic conditions that uh, South Africans find themselves in, yeah. not only policing. So the issues cut across, really. Uh, with the current uh, uh, rising cost of living as well, uh, you you know you know if you have uh, one police officer in the family who is a breadwinner, uh, responsible for five people, all those five people are then affected by the condition, the fact that uh, they are rising living conditions, and of course the salary of that single officer has not increased. It means that uh, the rest of the family is affected. You know, so it's not mm-hmm. only about uh, police as individuals, but it affects the community as a whole. And I think, uh, you know, uh, despite whatever efforts that can be made, really, I think we need to be honest with ourselves. You know, you can add as many police officers as possible as you want, but the reality is that if 
and only if uh, there are still bad relations or uh, well, uh, bad relations between communities and police, there's no way in which we're going to get rid of the crime rate in South Africa because criminals live amongst us. These are our cousins, these are our brothers, these are our neighbors. So, so uh, information is supposed to come from the very same communities which would ensure that uh, we actually work together to deal with issues around crime. Mm. So, so, so these are some of the challenges that we'll be raising, of course, uh, with uh, uh, the, the, the president. Well, the reason why we decided again to go to the union buildings directly is because we have been having engagements, you know, not in the public domain, of course, through bargaining councils, uh, which are available for us to engage with the different departments around some of the agreements, well, some of the conditions that we would like to have improved. As much as they have been agreeing and signing these agreements, now most of them have not been implemented up to so far. And at the end of the day, when you ask, or why have these uh, agreements not been implemented to the latter? It's usually challenges around the budgetary constraints that are, uh, are raised by the departments. So our cause, that w- the, the reason we're watching to directly to the president is that he also needs to rein in on these ministers because some of them have simply been ignorant. And of course, I think uh, you would know that there has been a lot of instability within the SAPS over the years. Since 1994, we've only had one national commissioner who finished his term of office. Mm. That was Jules the first one. Since then, there's been uh, a lot of changes, you know, infighting and a lot of changes. So the vetting processes of having, uh, well, appointing specific, well, specifically uh, top leaders within the SAPS, it's quite important that we look at the vetting processes and ensure that we have people with integrity there because immediately when somebody is put into that senior position, uh, instead of doing their work, they focus on protecting their integrity or protecting whatever scandals that they might mm-hmm. have as we have seen in the past. Sure. So those are some of the dynamics that we want to speak to tomorrow. Okay. Just briefly, ne? yourselves yes. as members of the police service and law enforcement more broadly, there are limitations to the withdrawal of your labor power, or in some cases you're not even allowed to do so. Maybe just clarify that for us on uh, essential services. Yes, we do uh, acknowledge that uh, our members are essential workers, and of course uh, our services are quite important. But however, you know, tomorrow we have obviously mobilized across the country. As as we speak now, uh, provinces like uh, Western Cape and Northern Cape have already left earlier during the, well, just uh, before the night fell, and they're on their way towards Pretoria as we speak. They'll probably be arriving in the morning. So all provinces will definitely be coming. But again, uh, you need to remember that uh, there are those who are on leave and of course there are those who are not working on the days that will be having this much. So in this regard, it will not necessarily compromise the well the work that needs to be carried out, but we definitely show that uh, we'll have a smaller scale of workers who are on duty uh, uh, during the time that we'll be having this much. It's quite important yeah. that we deliver this message because police officers, correctional officials, and traffic officers are really living below the breadline mm. currently. And uh, it's something that you cannot have uh, the very same people who are expecting to provide safety and security for communities to be the ones who are suffering like this. So, so it's a message that we want to deliver clearly to the president. And we hope that something is done about it because beyond this much, if there's no 
form of action that is taken, we will consider other measures which might actually be harsher than what we are doing now. Mm. You know, you know why I'm also asking you this question. Ordinarily, when workers say we are going on an action, we're hoping that it might influence what happens on the bargaining table. But if not, the then the ultimate aim thereafter is some form of the withdrawal of your labor. That option, it seems, is not open to yourselves. If you don't find one another with the employer, what is the implication? Look, we have been through the processes like you're indicating. The bargaining process is in the main, and uh, there's not worked for us, you know, mm. over the years. So, so what other measures do we have? Tomorrow's the match is the demonstration that we've been through bargaining, and this process is not working for us as much as we have won debates or we feel, we feel that we should have gained some form of uh, advantages from this process. Nothing has been happening. And, of course, if there's nothing that comes about, uh, we will have to consider other measures, really. Uh, we will have to consider other measures. Imagine a situation where police are, uh, are not, uh, well, uh, uh, well, they take about two hours without work. You, you can just imagine the chaos that would happen. But we don't want to go there, really. We just want to engage and uh, have what is due to us uh, being delivered by government. You don't want to go there, why? Look, we, we, we obviously want to ensure that uh, the safety and security in the country. We're not necessarily mm. anti-government or, uh, per se in terms of ensuring that we've, we work on towards the general developmental goals, you know, mm. that are set uh, by everyone. We want uh, prosperity in South Africa. We want a currency society. But at what expense to these members who, on a daily basis, wake up without being sure as to whether they are going coming back home alive or not, you know? Mm. So we think uh, as much as we're putting efforts, government should equally do the same. Like I said, that uh, we have been at the front, front, well, front line when it was COVID. You know, our members were taking risks, and a lot of them actually got infected so well, some of them died. And after that, this is the things we get from government, uh, wherein we do not get uh, increases in salaries for a period of over two years. We cannot allow this trend to continue. If we allow this trend to continue, it will continue uh, on a permanent basis. Mm. So we do not want to send. We do not want to set a wrong precedent where in government can do as they wish whenever they want to do so. Okay, Richard Ralebo Gawara, thank you very much. Thank you. Richard Mamabolo is, uh, yeah, the spokesperson of uh, Pop Crew, speaking to us uh, about uh, their action, which is coming up tomorrow. If you're out in Tswane, well, uh, yeah, yeah, you might be seeing them out on the streets there. So maybe do make provision for a bit more extra travel time, uh, especially if you're in and around uh, the union buildings and uh, that neck of the woods, uh, you know, old Church Street. I don't know what what's Church Street now. Uh, and Zaza's name change.